We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, Rotor Grinders? It's the NFL Pick 6 Show once again with your host, Dean. That's Dean7904. If you want to get all technical on me in the DFS circles, join again. Usual suspects, uh, Rich Rebar, you know him from Sharp Football Analysis, John Diggle uh, from Parts Unknown this week. I'm not really sure exactly. He works for Roto World. <laughs> uh, Diggle, uh, where, where are we coming from? Uh, every single week, it's a new adventure with you. Where are we popping up here? It's still Fort Worth, Dallas area. There's just a lot of moving pieces this time around. I'm currently sitting on the ground in front of a fireplace, and it's week 14. That tells you how life is going right now. It's a good Tinder date. <laughs> there you go, man. Hey, the, the night is young. Capture this photo right here. <laughs> <laughs> Rich Rebar, Sharp Football Analysis. Rich, uh, we've officially hit the quarter poll. Week 14, uh, season long, I believe. Is this the first week season long people are playing their, their playoffs? I don't think, is that how that goes down? I don't really play much season long. One team, it's gone. It, it's no it's longer. It's Sunzo, unfortunately. Yeah, for the most part, this is where everything takes off. FFPC regular seasons just ended too. So it's pretty much playoff time for these next three weeks for everybody in season-long leagues. If you happen to lose in your season-long league, I mean, listen, come play some DFS. That's why we're here. Uh, so definitely come over. Yeah, I wonder if that's a thing. I don't know if that's a thing. If anybody has any sort of documentation. And I think they did a couple of years ago where the most popular slate ever was Thanksgiving, which kind of sort of makes mm-hmm. sense, I suppose. Uh, everybody's kind of – a lot of people are not working and – with together with people and they want to get away from people as well too, I suppose. But uh, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about, Hey, this is what we do on the show. The NFL pick six show. If you guys are not aware, we focus on three main games. We'll talk about those uh, three main games from all sorts of perspective. And then we kind of circle back and talk about our fair plays. We didn't cover in those three main games, position by position, quarterback, you know, wide receiver, running back, uh, even some tight ends. Sure. Why not? Uh, the three main games are focusing on this week, but it's interesting. We didn't pick the highest team total, but, for good reason, I think. We'll, we'll talk about it as we talk about the uh, 
you know, we kind of branch out and move on. But uh, the Green Bay Detroit game is the biggest total on the board, 55. But uh, we did, Rich, I believe you made the selections this week. We we, uh, we focused on Minnesota at Tampa. That, that, that's our appetizer game, Minnesota at Tampa. Six and a half is the total. Tampa Bay is favored. 51 and a half is the total here. Um, yeah, Dalvin Cook, we've been playing a lot recently. Uh, you know, super expensive, obviously not a great matchup here. You know, superior receivers in this game, kind of hard to pick which ones are going to be the places to go on the Tampa Bay side. Uh, but uh, let's kind of dig into it, Rich. Why did you pick this game? I know why, but just tell the people that aren't aware. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is one of the better games on the slate. I mean, try to pick a, you know, try to at least throw one oddball in there instead of just go down the, the three highest game totals. And, like, I mean, when we talking about the Packers, like, is it's pretty basic anyways. Not that the Vikings aren't very basic themselves. Uh, but this looks like a fun game. You know, got the Bucks coming out of the bye. The Vikings passing game has been really good the past month. Uh, not only has the, has the Vikings been direct leverage off of the expensive Dalvin Cook and the hot Dalvin Cook for the past month, this week, I mean, it could be inversed. I mean, I don't think Dalvin Cook will be as popular as he's been in recent weeks due to, you know, the price, some of his performance, and the, and the matchup. You know, paying for Dalvin Cook top dollar has not really paid off the past two weeks. He had a really solid game last week and got stoned at the goal line, uh, you know, multiple times last week. He had a fumble at the goal line. They tried to get him a touchdown in overtime to just seal the game, and we all would have loved it. Um, but if you look at, you know, three of his past four games, he's been uh, under three and a half yards per carry. The receptions have gone up at least, and that's what we're looking at for here, uh, you know, against this Tampa Bay Buccaneers run defense that has been pretty consistent throughout the year and dating back to last year and kind of stoning running backs the most individual rushing yards they've allowed to a running back in a game so far this season is 59 uh so i mean it's 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 not like we're looking for a high ceiling here at top dollar at these prices you can hit value and like in a season only you're not going to bench dalvin cook um but to say like he has a chance to go for like 35 probably in the lower end of probability he's had a pretty light schedule so far to date the the highest team he's faced in rushing points allowed per game is the indianapolis colts who are at 10th uh so he's had a really light road and it's going to get tougher here down uh these last few games for him um but he's actually probably the inverse leverage because his bucks passing off defense has not been good we talked about it a couple weeks ago when they played the chiefs but since they had that big breakout and just crushed Aaron Rodgers basically in what was a primetime game because there's only two 4 o'clock games on that slate. Uh, They've been 26th in the NFL in yards allowed per pass play. Uh, They have been giving it up uh, through the air. And Kirk Cousins has been playing really, really great, almost 300 yards in four straight games, 292 falling just short. And he's done it against a couple decent good deep pass events. Well, I think we thought the Bears were good, and now that they're starting to, they're starting to show some chinks in the armor uh, this past month, if you're worried about Deshaun Watson too. But that's kind of where we're starting is that this is probably an inverse of what we've seen and how we've handled the Vikings the past few weeks where we've used the passing game as leverage off Dalvin Cook, and now the passing game looks to be the most appealing part of the offense. Yeah, Diggle, your thoughts here as far as the Minnesota side? You can kind of branch out as far as the receivers too, which we'll focus on as well. Like Dalvin Cook's a great play. Obviously, if you're playing in season long, you play him in your season long team. But we live in a global salary cap, and he's super expensive. The matchup's not great, and you can, you know, you gotta make things work. And as of right now, we're recording this on a Wednesday night. There's not a lot of value out there. Not a lot of ton of value that I like. Uh, things may change. We know how the season's gone. There's definitely, you know, stay tuned and all that. But uh, I don't know how easy it is to get Cook into a lineup right now. You can certainly make it work, but uh, it's gonna cost you. What's that opportunity cost? And of course, there's a guy similar price, a Derrick Henry who, yes, he's coming off a bad week, and we'll talk about him, of course, when we get in the uh, breakdown as far as running backs uh, specifically. But 
on paper, it looks like a better matchup, of course. Uh, Diggle, your thoughts as far as Cook, if you feel like, you know, want to expand on that or you know, talk about the quarterback situation, and then obviously the receivers. Is it Thielen? Is it Jefferson? Is it both? How do we know? I actually had Thielen and Jefferson in my lineup until Saturday when I pivoted to Dalvin Cook, if only because of the Alexander Madison news. Because, of course, his floor was risen without Alexander Madison. That's exactly what we saw. Career-high 32 carries, career-high 38 touches. So his floor is obviously extremely high, especially now that he also has a higher target floor, as Reed mentioned, in the past two games. Again, this is still a terrific spot for Kirk Cousins and both receivers overall. We mentioned prior to the Bucks' buy, how this secondary has become more of a pass funnel in recent weeks, a five-game stretch now. And that's exactly what happened for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense. Just absolutely doused him for 460 yards, three touchdowns. And I think we can expect the same through the air for the Vikings, especially if we project them to have trouble on the ground. Adam Thielen, 71 targets now to Justin Jefferson, 65, and the seven games they played together since week three. Thielen still with 12 more red zone targets in those games, 11 more end zone targets than Jefferson. But clearly, you can't go wrong with either one. Um, the leverage actually in two of the last three games, so the two games that Jefferson and Thielen have played together over the last three weeks, has been to roster Cook and Thielen and or Jefferson without Kirk Cousins as unique exposure to guys as the dog just ran right into the wall, as unique exposure to guys, <laughs> um, to, to high-scoring offenses. So uh, so I think that's in play again, Thielen and, and Cook perhaps without Cousins. But honestly, I will be on Cousins, Thielen, and Jefferson because this double stack is one of my favorites of the entire slate. Yeah, uh, Rich, traditionally, like, one of our thoughts with Minnesota is like, oh, no, what if they get ahead and they throw the ball like 17 times? But Vegas is telling us the game script's going to be they're going to be behind against Tampa. Tampa pass funnel as well, too. So you feel a little more confident as far as Cousins chucking the ball. And, of course, that it's a really narrow tree. Thielen and Jefferson get so much of that action. Uh, Thielen, Jefferson, who do you prefer amongst those two? I know they're both really good options. Can you can you pick one if you can only have to pick one? I think if I had to pick one, because uh, we're talking about game stacks and game blocks, it'd be Jefferson. He's just had, he's getting the those downfield targets, those chance to really pop and have a you know huge yardage game, and he's starting to get end zone targets the past few weeks. Um, but he's just running so hot on downfield targets, and you know he's been due regression all year in that category. I just don't know when it's going to come or if it even comes this year. I mean, in terms of in deep ball targets, I mean, he's caught 70% of his targets over 15 yards downfield, uh, and he's you know, fourth in the NFL at 30 of those targets. It's really insane the amount of efficiency he's had on those downfield targets um, to, to, to get those big high-scoring weeks, those 100-yard games. Uh, he's, he's flirting more with a little bit more of the bonus. Uh, Thielen's had a little more been saved by touchdowns. I don't know if saves the right word. He gets a ton of end zone targets. Um, but he, if you look at his yardage totals, they have been kind of had more down weeks of late than Jefferson's. Um, but I think you can play them both together. They're both getting the ball. That's where the ball is going. It's not going to anyone else in this offense. Uh, as we learned from playing Kyle Rudolph again last <laughs> week, we went one too many weeks with Kyle Rudolph. You know, we, we, we were taking our free square and, uh, we got goose egg last week, but uh, yeah, those are the two guys that are getting the rock and the plays are getting called. That's what's great about Minnesota. And we always like to play them because it's a very concentrated, you know, offense. We know where the ball is going pretty much on, you know, 70% of the plays. All right, uh, John, this is the tougher question. You know, the receivers for Tampa Bay, good options, obviously Brown, Godwin, Evans, 
Uh, who's going to show me the money this week? Who, who, who do we lock in? Who do we feel most comfortable about? Evans, uh, big touchdown equity, but that's kind of sort of basically all he gets. Uh, do we trust any of them? Do we just kind of throw darts and hope one of them works? Is anybody kind of stand out for you on the tip base side? Big total, 29. We've seen four games now since Antonio Brown joined the team. And Mike Evans still has a team-high 21% target share, 35 targets to Chris Godwin's 31, and Antonio Brown's 29 in that time. Much like Thielen, though, Evans is just getting jammed inside the red zone. They're not even looking to anyone else. Uh, 16 total red zone targets and end zone targets compared to Godwin's and Brown's combined two, and they don't have a single end zone target in that month-long stretch. Uh, Again, this is a terrific spot for Tom Brady. Don't have to worry about him falling asleep in a primetime game. Also, the Vikings defense, if you want to know how they're doing, just look to Yannick Ngakwe, who got traded in week six, and he still has a sack and a half more than anyone else on defense. Eric Kendricks, who popped off the tape last week, pretty much their only playmaker, injured as well midweek, so we have to watch his practice reports. So I think it's a terrific spot for all through the air again. Uh, Rich, what are we, what are our thoughts as far as the receivers? And like, there was some stop me if you heard this before. There was some positive coach speak again. I think was it Ronald Jones the ball right? Uh, do we believe that is that going to happen? Is he clearly the guy over Fournette? Is he one fumble away to not being the guy? Uh, McCoy is still lurking to some degree. I guess he's a live body. But uh, the Tampa Bay offense again, they're projected for twenty nine, and it's not like Minnesota where it's kind of super easy. You're like, well, we know where the points are going to go. Tampa a little trickier. Your thoughts as far as the receivers and then branch out to that running back situation. Is Ronald like Arians? Is he going to get him the ball? He said he would, and he never lied on record, to my knowledge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dangle Hippon, this is a good spot. I think that the Vikings defense is starting to get a little credit. I've seen a couple of tweets out there talking about their DVOA of late and their defensive DVOA, which does take into account, you know, opponents. But look at since week eight, they have faced Matthew Stafford. He was injured during the game, and Chase Daniel finished. Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, Teddy Bridgewater, Mike Glennon yeah. uh, over that stretch. Uh, and I mean, listen, Mike Glennon and Andy Dalton took them to the limit. I mean, they flat out lost to the Cowboys. Uh, so, I mean, I, I still have trouble giving this defense really any credit. They don't pressure the quarterback on any level. Uh, the two, their young corners have played a little bit better, but they're not guys we're scared of, especially not with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown. Like we are not moving off of those guys for that unit of Cameron Dantzler. You know, we're, we're not even if those guys are playing a little bit better, like, you know, we probably buried them as rookies and saying they had no chance early, but I, we're not worried. And I don't think that this is a very particularly great defense either. Um, the run game's a, a little trickier. I mean, I think we have the run game kind of figured out or this backfield split. For whatever reason, Leonard Fournette is the passing down back. Like, yeah. he is the actual passing down back. Now, the, I, the rationale behind that, I think we can question, but that's what we know. Every week, at least for this period of the last several weeks, he's the passing down back. They're going to start Ronald Jones. If game script allows them to stay with the run and Ronald Jones is running hot, they keep giving Ronald Jones carries. Now, typically something has happened where they've even fallen behind or Ronald Jones has done something dumb and they've gone away from that. And if you know, and he hasn't gotten those carries, but there is no way that if you could watch, uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be TV watcher guy here that if you've watched a bucks game in the past, five or six weeks and seeing the difference of when Ronald Jones touches the football compared to Leonard Fournette, there's no reason Leonard Fournette should be on the football field. Like really at at any level, I I, I'm pretty flabbergasted by this role he's in and that they keep, you know, just, you know, side parking Ronald Jones. I mean, he was, he made two phenomenal plays in that chiefs game really got them started on that, you know, uh, that long catch and run for a touchdown later on. He had a a, a long uh, run in the run game. Uh, Leonard Fournette's not giving you any of those splash plays. Like where where are those? 
Um, but I mean, uh, they are, they're, they're, they're almost touchdown home favorites here against the bad defense. Um, I don't know really where you grasp it. The only guy that's shown any type of upside though is Ronald Jones, but, um, they're, they're tough plays. I also think Gronk's a pretty good play because Daigle hit on it with Eric Kendricks, this injury of Eric Kendricks is going to be out. Gronk's kind of flashed a little bit for us, obviously before the bye, he had his first hundred yard game since 2018. Um, he's given us a little bit and he's the one guy like he gets both end zone targets and downfield targets. Like they give him vertical targets to the offense, um, which they didn't do with OJ Howard last year, which was pretty frustrating. But uh, I think Gronk is a pretty, pretty intriguing play in this game. Yeah. Jones had that 37 yard touchdown catch in the first half, the Bucks' only first half touchdown, and then saw one target the rest of the game. He had a 34-yard run in the third quarter, didn't get a single carry the rest of the game. It's And then Bruce Arians comes out on Monday and says, Ronald Jones needs to have 20 touches. There's only one person in charge of that, and it's the man <laughs> saying he needs to give Ronald Jones 20 touches. So we've seen this many times throughout the years, not just with Ronald Jones. You go all the way back to uh, – uh, who was the, the pass-catching running back that had? Elling- yeah, Andre Ellington. Um, we've seen this before. Uh, so I don't believe him, but Ronald Jones would obviously be the play over Leonard Fournette if you're trying to leverage the passing game and just trying to get a uh, touchdown equity. Yeah, and, you know, if you think the game's going to go away the way it's going to go, uh, play Jones with Cousins and, you know, Thielen, Jefferson, or both, something like that, and have that. It seems like a pretty good uh, good way to start a lineup. All right, let's move on. Let's you guys have anything else as far as this game, or shall we move on? Go for it. Move Roll on. it. I'll say Gronk, by the way, he's rested. He had a, a you know, old man Gronk's been, he's been climbing as the season progressed and he's coming off a of bye week. So I don't, I don't mind Gronk either as a, you know, if you don't have the funds for something like Kelsey or Waller, I don't mind a Gronk. He's uh, sort of there in the mid tier as far as the asking price. Next game, Tennessee, Jacksonville, Jacksonville at home, getting seven points. 53 is the total. And we did mention Derek Henry. And this is kind of the, one of the direct pivots off of Cook. Uh, we saw last week he got game scripted out of that game, uh, Rebar, but we don't expect that's going to happen this time. They were down, uh, what, three, four touchdowns at halftime. It was an absolute disaster. They didn't come back, uh, the offense, you know, via the pass. Uh, Henry, you know, basically kicked off the field more or less when they're on the comeback like that. But uh, that's probably not going to be the situation this week. But Jacksonville, seven-point favorites, 30-point 30, 30 team total. Uh, how much do we prioritize Henry? And is Henry just a flat-out better play than Dalvin Cook? Yeah, so they, they were down 38 to 3. It was the first game all season that we've kind of seen game script actually impact Derrick Henry. They've had losses so far this season, but down 38 to 3 at the half uh, is really going to put a bind in what Derrick Henry's game is all about. And we've seen him kind of uh, his season low 16 touches. Now, the Jaguars have only led for 9.6% of their snaps this season. It's the lowest rate in the NFL. They've led for a lower rate of their snaps than the Jets this season uh so i mean game script is definitely going to be uh it swung uh inversely from where it was last week and they are seven point favorites um but i do think jacksonville obviously they've shown jacksonville will hang around like they'll punch both teams and this tennessee defense is trash so like there's gonna be points scored i think on the jacksonville side too but yeah uh it's a great spot remember there was a point early in the year with these teams played in week two week two yeah and it was a derrick henry week i think and then jacksonville actually stepped up and held like 84 yards on 25 touches it was one of those games where henry didn't get a touchdown and uh everyone played him he was like uh, like 9k and he just kind of got held the bag but this jaguars defense has lost so many pieces along the way i just don't know how they hold up i mean they've allowed 140 rushing yards 
uh, and 5.2 yards per carry to backs uh, over their past three games uh, on average. Uh, they are just getting kind of just beat up on the back end. They just saw no healthy cornerbacks. I mean, CJ Henderson and DJ Hayden both are still out. We are waiting word on Sidney Jones, who hasn't played in three games. They just can't stop anyone through the air. Um, and they can't step anyone on the ground either. Um, so we've got Derrick Henry in this spot where he's probably the chalkiest of the guys. I think people will click on. Uh, we've obviously run through the gambit of like, if he doesn't catch passes, if he doesn't score a touchdown, this is what you get. Everyone knows that when they pick his name. But people are going to not be able to fit in this passing game. And they're in another great leverage spot again, because I talked about that secondary. I mean, they've allowed multiple receivers to have more than 15 PPR points in four of their past five games. Uh, we've seen Corey Davis kind of pop last week. We talked about him on the show. He was the only like GPP play I got right last week, uh, to just kind of like float, float me by. But, uh, and now in their full games that played with AJ Brown this season, I mean, he has more targets, more receptions, more yards, uh, than AJ Brown. The only thing he's lagged behind is those touchdowns uh, because AJ Brown kind of creates his own touchdowns and he's a touchdown scorer. But this is kind of who I thought Davis was coming out as a prospect. I mean, he came out in a, a weird year where there wasn't a lot of alpha prospects. He was elevated up to fifth in the draft. Or just probably, but he's a guy that was is built like a tweener. He's, he's a guy that's meant to be like a 1B and play next to a big-time receiver. And now that A.J. Brown is elevated into that, we've seen Corey Davis just take off uh, this season. And a contract year, too. So uh, make it a little tough for them to bring him back. But uh, I think this passing game is high leverage. We didn't even talk about Daniel. Uh, but this passing game is high leverage spot again. Yeah, it's hard to see where it's going to shuffle out as far as lineups. Again, on Wednesday, you don't really know as far as ownership and all that. But I'm curious, like, what are people going to first do, John? Like, John, your instinct on Wednesday night, obviously, do you first want to play Henry? Or do you first want to play like Tannehill with Corey Davis or A.J. Brown? Tannehill for me, honestly. I think they're both tremendous spots. Reeves pretty much broke it down, but we've seen Jags front seven while their secondary has fallen apart. They've been pretty good. Of course, they got road graded by Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt with Wyatt Teller back in the lineup, but held Aaron Jones under 50 yards. It took Dalvin Cook 32 carries to get over 100 last week, and even then he averaged 3.7 yards per carry. So the Jags front seven is a little more respectable still than we think. Um, having said that, you do want to attack them through the air. Tannehill, even last week, we talked about how much we loved his spot. And I, I play all the, the mid-state single entries, and he was only 7% rostered. Uh, Anthony Ferkser came in at 20, like shockingly 25 to 30%. Did not expect that. And then, of course, um, A.J. Brown slightly higher owned than Corey Davis, who was a tremendous play as well. So, yeah, I, I think it's another spot where everyone will jam in Derrick Henry and everyone will look past Ryan Tannehill. So, of course, I'm absolutely all for this. And then I you think you can safely run it back as well because not only have the Titans allowed 31 points on average in their last four games, but Mike Glennon, of course, not the best option, but he's throwing them in. He's at least chunking it deep, and they're not always there. They're not always good being chucked deep, but still a league-high 16 pass attempts, 20-plus yards downfield in his last two starts. Uh, DJ Shark, of course, quietly ran a team-high 44 routes on his 48 dropbacks last week, despite really not getting there in the box score until the fourth quarter, and even then he didn't exceed our expectations. So I like running it back with DJ Shark as well because the Titans like – the Jaguars are riddled with injuries, and they're just offering no pass rush whatsoever. So I think Glenn will actually have time to stand back there and chunk it deep as well. 
He's a man of his word, Glenn. And he, I mean, he's not particularly great, but he said, he's like, look, I don't know how much longer I'm going to get to play. And I'm going to go back there and I'm going to chuck and I'm just going to, you know, see what happens. And that's what he's doing. Not, not spectacularly, not, not, not successfully, not efficiently, but he's going to do it. And his or his receivers are all cheap. Uh, by the way, uh, let's go ahead. The, the chat's asking me if I flex. It's only because it pertains to the conversation. If I flexed on my Yahoo one last week, I did not, did not mention it, but Yahoo was very good to me. And uh, I did not listen to you, Rich. I, I, I won a, a GPP on Yahoo. With uh, not Corey Davis, but the Tannehill AJ Brown combination. Somehow, I still got there. I picked the wrong guy. But uh, good, good call. I'll, I'll also say that Mike Glennon uh, was in some of the super high stakes league winning tournament lineups because how low his salary was allowed people to then pay up for other options. I don't think we can sneak that in this week because we have Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. Like the gang is back now. Uh, yeah. I don't think you could afford to pay down at quarterback this week. But that was a terrific option last week because we talked about you could take chances at quarterback since we didn't trust any of the higher uh, higher salary guys last week. You're going to run it back here, Rich. Who's your favorite run back in the Jacksonville side? Oh, did Rich just freeze up on us? I don't know. John, are you with me? I am. I'm here. <laughs> I thought the smart money was on you freezing and not Rich. I agree. The, the video was looking earlier. <laughs> and meanwhile, my video and audio are great now. I don't know what's happening. I, I have no idea. I don't know what's going on. I'm checking out the video now, and it appears, well, I see Rich, and it looks like he is uh, Rich. Uh, no, he is frozen. There you go. All right. Well, we will power through, and we will move on. Um, yeah, so Chark, Chanel, I think those are the two best options. James Robinson still goes out there and does this thing every single every single week with an absolutely incredible uh, you know, amount of workload. Uh, you know, Captain of teams, running, running backs don't matter. You know, undrafted free agent. I think he's going to break a record amongst all undrafted free agents, like very, very quickly for total yards. Uh, the asking price is up there, though, right, John? So it's going to be costly, but he's basically game script proof. He's going to be out there no matter what. Um, not big, sexy chunk plays, but he just gets there through through volume. I guess you can run it back on that side. It doesn't yeah, really make sense. I, but I think he's good leverage. I think he's good leverage off Derrick Henry, honestly, because if you're going to double stack Tannehill again, uh, why not leverage the running back that cost nearly next to Derrick Henry and playing James Robson. So that seems like a unique way to attack this game. And again, we love this game. The second highest total, um, the team, the Titans also have the second highest team total like last week, only behind the Seahawks. No, behind the Packers who we'll talk about later on in the show as well, assuming Rich is back. So of course, James Robinson, uh, 24 and 27 touches, I believe the past two games, no one even coming close to competing with his workload. So yeah, I mean, DJ Shark and James Robinson, I'm not sure which way I'd go. Maybe it would be James Robinson. I think I just kind of convinced myself into that, into that with a Tannehill double stack. But yeah, I, I love the entire game environment here. It just feels like playing the game backwards, but it's not wrong because like Tennessee can absolutely win this game by seven or by three or by 10. And, like, you know, all those guys are kind of getting what they're supposed to get. But in theory, like, you're supposed to play the Jacksonville guys, you know, the receivers and the Tennessee running back, right? But also, how does Tennessee get that score? How do they get that lead? You know, potentially via the air with Tannehill and uh, Brown-Davis combinations. Mm-hmm. I see some movement. Is Rich, uh, is Rich back with us? Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know what the story is, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> things are on fire. We, we switched these to this program a few weeks ago for whatever reason. I don't know if it was Cal's call or Cam's call or Dan's call <laughs> in the background. I got to throw this under the bus. This program is trash. I don't know, I don't know who's sponsoring this. Uh, we've had nothing but problems between me and Daigle. Uh, yeah. Stop this blaming program. me. I, I swear to you, it's not just on my end. I'm trying here. All Producer. I do is go on shows all week 
and this is the only one that is is there's an issue with. It's a weekly adventure. I will say that. <laughs> Rich, you want you have anything that like you didn't get in as far as I know you have a bunch of stuff and uh, all your numbers as far as Tennessee Jacksonville. You want to fire off before we move on? Well, I just think I don't know if you guys talked about it. DJ Shark is just way too cheap this week. Uh, uh, and I understand the, it, some of the performance warrants it. But if you watch that game last week, I mean, he had multiple opportunities to have a huge game, and uh, Glennon just airmailed so many throws. Even that last interception in overtime, uh, he, DJ Shark's wide open. Like, that's a throw like 80% of quarterbacks in the NFL hit. Um, but if you look at Sharks in the games he's played, he's dominated targets, uh, weighted opportunity, air yards, everything. He's 59 and 53 on both sites this week. I think he's the clear run back guy outside of the obvious, you know, tried and true James Robinson train. Yeah, haven't said a little yet to the chat. What's up, chat? Hey, YouTube, feel free to like and subscribe, turn on the notifications and all that. Uh, myself and John are going to be on Sunday, three hours before lock. We take you guys, uh, well, we're just the start of three hours of content talking about the NFL. You know, obviously, we'll have more information at the time of the DFS slate. And, you know, for showdown content, for basketball content, which is around the corner. And, hey, if you want to get actual, like, on-the-site content, there's a link that's been dropped in the chat by our fabulous multitasking producer, D-Train. Devin's all over it. Get yourself $5 off the core for basketball, football, base, uh, baseball, and golf. All right. Uh, final game, Atlanta, as far as the three we're going to focus on, and we'll kind of branch out from there and have a bigger conversation as far as the slate, position by position. Atlanta at the Chargers. 49 is the total. The Chargers are uh, – I don't have anybody's favorite, but this is going to be a tie, right? Neither one of these teams can actually win for the rules of the Falcons and the Chargers. Uh, Dago, opening thoughts as far as this game. The moment that Saints-Falcons game ended, I was like, okay, who do the Falcons play next week? Because that seems like a really good bounce back spot. And I saw they played the Chargers. It's like, okay, <laughs> I really like where we're, where we're heading here. Because uh, the Falcons showing didn't seem impressive, of course, with 16 points. But that was actually the most that Saints defense we talked about, which have been nightmarish, has allowed in the past five games. 16 points. Uh, and now you look at what the Chargers are doing defense the last month. Yes, they have allowed the fewest passing yards in that span. But they've also played minimal uh, league average competition there. And still, 29 points allowed to the Dolphins with Tua under center. 28 to Joe Flacco. Uh, and the Jets, and then, of course, the, the Patriots did score special teams and defensive touchdowns, but still 45 points to the Patriots is pretty insane. So whether it's Matt Ryan – or not whether, it, we know what it is. It's Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. We were concerned about Julio Jones' injury in his first game back, but he all he did was show up, and he played 94% of their snaps, which was actually his highest rate since week 10 of the 2018 season. Uh, he's out-targeted Calvin Ridley 63-49, to 49, and there's seven full and healthy games together this year. But Ridley's still getting there in that span because he has six touchdowns to Julio's three in their games together. So I think it's a, a terrific double stack to get right back on this Falcons passing attack where we know the targets are going against a Chargers defense I don't respect. All right, Rich, uh, make the call here. Ridley or Julio or both? Yeah, I mean, I love both. It's the same thing with the Vikings. It's where the ball is. This team can't run. They can't run the football at all. And that's, like, what you want to kind of do in the Chargers, and they it doesn't matter. Like, they, they just cannot do it, man. Uh, they can't run the football on any level. Uh, Todd Gurley looks like he's pretty much done. Uh, I saw Pat Doherty tweet, like, it wouldn't be shocking, like, if, Pat, if, like, Todd Gurley's not even on the team next year, right? Like, at this point, like, how crazy would that be? Like, he's, like – because, I mean, right now, he's got nothing. He's got nothing left. He's the uh, world's so we'll oldest 26-year-old. You know he's only 26? Right. Yeah. 
but yeah. he was phenomenal. Like the guy was amazing. And, you know, for two yeah. years there and like, couldn't be stopped and looked like he was going to be like a dynasty RB one for like a good pocket. And like, it's just like, it's just gone. Uh, I mean, it's wild. Even like the last two years where he still like had some fantasy points, it's just from falling in the end zone. Like <laughs> when is the last like Todd Gurley, like splash play you can recall. Like, was in that by Ito Smith. That tells you everything you need to know. I mean, he's just sapped, man. It's sad. It's it's sad. It's sad at all accounts. But I mean, as far as what we this offense can operate, like they are pigeonholed into just dropping back to throw and throwing to two players, uh, pretty much. So I mean, uh, you can play both these guys, similar to like the Viking situation, except for there's no Dalvin Cook. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I don't see any reason why you can't play those guys. Julio, like no one wants to play him either, because obviously this season is like the super death tilt of Julio. He's had multiple the hamstrings have had multiple times it's popped up. Uh, will he finish a game? Uh, but in his games that he's made it through full, his his seven games, uh, he's averaging six and a half catches for 100 yards per game. Like he's performing. He just, you know, you have to run that gambit of, is Julio going to make it through this, man? Uh, is he going to get through this game? Uh, but yeah, and in Calvin Ridley, all he does is lead the league in air yards per game. So, I mean, you know what we're getting here. Um, I think it's intriguing on the run back side. Obviously, anytime you have a, a team get shut out, uh, it's interesting to to kind of look at them and see if they're going to have de- depressed ownership or people are jumping off the train. Uh, you know, Herbert was a guy that started with so much. He just started so hot in the yeah. most fantasy points ever through nine starts. There was bound to be some regression, especially in his under pressure, you know, stats. Um, but I also don't think that there's, uh, you know, any anything when you look at this, his two down, his two biggest down games came against Bill Belichick, who is, completely squashed rookie quarterbacks over his entire tenure with the Patriots. Uh, And then Brian Flores, a, you know, Bill Belichick disciple. So, I mean, I don't think that there's really, you know, uh, there's something there that those two teams really kind of gave him the most trouble uh, and showed him a lot of blitzes and a lot of trouble. I mean, he, they, they had 3.6 yards for play last week. It was their lowest in a game. Uh, They didn't have a shot. Like there was even a point where you thought like, well, here comes the Chargers garbage time. Like they, they had nothing. In that game, uh, you know, Belichick and the, and the Patriots really kind of just had them under their thumb. Now we got a Falcons defense that are have kind of like at least brought some skepticism to people because they shut you just nuked Derek Carr two weeks ago. Uh, and then they've had two Taysom Hill sandwich games, but in one of the Taysom Hill games, they allowed 10 yards to pass attempt and then they gave up the two touchdowns. And guys were just still running free last week. You know, that I threw, I would have thrown that touchdown to Traquan Smith last week, like pretty, pretty easily. I think that's about my limit. I'll max out about 25 air yards, but uh, I would have got that one to him. Uh, he, there's no one guarding him. Uh, and then the, the Jared Cook touchdown, they just let him run, a, you know, a, you know, across, you know, like just a slant in front of everybody. I mean, these are easy completions that they're allowing to a guy that's made three starts in the NFL and two have been against them. Uh, so, I mean, it could be a good spot to go right back to Herbert, a guy that everyone was playing for too much salad. And now all of a sudden it's like, mm, I don't know. And then, you know, obviously Keenan Allen's in a great spot, uh, you know, against wide receiver ones, uh, against that Atlanta defense. They're 26th in points allowed per game to those wide receiver ones. His target share has come down a little bit with Eckler returning, uh, but the raw targets have been there. Um, but I think that the, this game is interesting on a lot of levels. Uh, one, because like I said, the, the guy that I think people you should play, Julio Jones, no one wants to play. And then this team that just got shut out, are people going to go back to them? All right, John, uh, Eckler, Keenan Allen, can we just throw out the whole Charger game last week and just forget, like pretend like it didn't happen. Like, you know, obviously Herbert, you know, you could say Ricky Wall, you can say, 
you know, Belichick is super, super smart and just kind of outsmarted him. And, you know, Herbert obviously overachieved to some extent at the start of the year. But now facing Atlanta, uh, is this a prime spot to exploit? It is kind of weird that they're dogs here versus Atlanta, but you kind of talked about that as well. Um, Anthony yeah. Lynn. Well, <laughs> Oh man, he's gonna be gone, right? He's I'm assuming he's gonna be gone. I don't know about that. Oh okay. I wouldn't I wouldn't think so. All right, fair enough. I mean he's not gonna be hanging out with Greg Williams. Do, do, do we have any thoughts on that, by the way? Was that how intentional scale of one to ten? Any conspiracy theorists out Zero there? Zero for me. I say no conspiracy. I think it's just Greg, man. I think he tried I mean, to dial it up. He was the DC of the last 0 16 team. Like of course like how do you how do you become how do you become zero sixteen? You have, you make bad plays, of course. So yeah, it makes total sense what he did, according to him, anyways. I would just say he didn't do it the play before. The play before they dropped back into you know uh, shell coverage, and Aguilar should have scored. Aguilar beat the zone uh, and should have scored on a good throw, and then he saw that and was probably like, "We can't let that happen again." <laughs> I'm gonna send some heat and. Uh, yeah, it was it was jailbreak. I mean, it was more or less like not only was the call bad, but to put uh, you know, an undrafted cornerback on a guy that ran a four two seven, uh on a and, and then to have that player just not have the wherewithal to understand like that double move doesn't mean anything. Like you can't like let him catch that comeback if he's running it. Uh it was just disaster in a lot of fronts. But I do not think that there was a tank because what incentive did Greg Williams have to tank? He's not gonna be there next year regardless. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> or even a corner like the undrafted corner wants to stick around. He doesn't want that on tape, right? Like, why is he going to play along? Like he's not tank. Just you know, his, well, players don't watch. tank. Like players yeah. aren't tanking. Right. Period. They, they, I they genuinely, I genuinely tried just to win that game. Yeah, I just think we all forgot. Well, we didn't, but a lot of people, big time media, forgot how bad of a defensive coordinator he is. Like it's that simple. That's pretty much the thing that happens every week. But since it happened in the national spotlight with a team trying to win its first game, that's why it was emphasized. But that's what Greg Williams does literally every single week. Not shocking at all. Will another you team know, hire Greg Williams as their DC at any point ever again? I mean, I hope not. But it's the NFL. Like, let's not rule it out. Mike Nolan is coaching again. Yeah. Like, let's not rule anything out. Stop uh, rehashing all these coaches. Adam Gase will coach again, too. <laughs> Wherever he goes, Adam Gase will definitely Give get us some new blood. All right. Um, well, I, I derailed the conversation. I apologize. Eckler. Um, Your thoughts on the Chargers? On, yeah, on Eckler. So two weeks ago, 25 of 34 running back touches for that team. Um, Kalen Balaj comes back this week. And on the surface, you don't think much of it. You think blowout, oh, Eckler's 12 touches to Kalen Balaj's 10. No big deal. But Balaj out-touched Eckler 3-2 to two on the opening drive. Like, it was obviously a competitive game. Andy Lynn still went to Belage uh, to split touch with Zeckler. Having said that, do should we value a running back who now has 25 targets over the past two weeks? Of course. Uh, that is probably my favorite run back still. But it's crazy to think that Belage won't be involved here. Lynn loves him. Um, remember, he had 20-plus touches in three consecutive games there um, while Justin Jackson was out. Uh, Joshua Kelly also DNP on Wednesday on the injury report as well. So I think that even if Belage is involved, if Josh Kelly's out, that still opens up a little more opportunity for Eckler. So I, I, if everyone's scared because of Belage, I don't think, still think it's a terrific spot for him. All right. We got anything else this game, Rich, or shall we move on and break it down position by position and on some guys we've not talked about as far as their teams? Nope. Let it fly. All right, uh, Rich, and we, we keep talking about uh, Aaron Rodgers every single week, and I just, as a general rule, I want the quarterbacks that have legs, but if my quarterback is going to insist on throwing the ball 17 times in a row in the one-yard line because he really wants the baddest stats, he cares about your fantasy team, he cares about his stats, he cares about his legacy, 
Uh, Eddie's facing the Lions in Detroit with, I think, the highest team total on the board, the highest game total on the board. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, like, how do I not roster him? He's amazing this week, right? Yeah, I mean, you got to pay for it. Uh, to be fair to Aaron Rodgers, he also leads the NFL in fantasy points and throws over 15 yards downfield too. So, I mean, he's he's getting it done in all ways. And that's regression. I mean, you look at them. They were 28th in the NFL in uh, run touchdown rate, the passing touchdown rate last year. I mean, that's how regression swings, man, with things like this. They're throwing more aggressively near the goal line than they were a year ago when everyone was complaining, Aaron Jones is scoring every touchdown. That's how it works, man. This is just how it goes sometimes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, great spot against the Lions. They're horrible. Uh, you've got the, the team that's the best at scoring touchdowns against the team that's the the worst at uh, preventing touchdowns. 75% of Green Bay scoring plays have been touchdowns. It's the highest rate in the league. And 77% of the scoring plays allowed by the Lions have been touchdowns. So wow. teams aren't kicking field goals against them, and the Packers aren't kicking field goals themselves. If they're scoring, it's typically them, you know, putting it putting in the paint. Um, obviously, you got to pay for it. Uh, Russ is in a, If anyone needs a slump buster, this is it. It's teed up for Russ here. Uh, against this Jets team that we just talked about uh, and their new defensive coordinator. Uh, maybe we would like Greg still to be there, but uh, – Will Carroll let him do it, though, is the question. Will Carroll unleash him? And does like how much does he actually have to do because it's the Jets? It's well, the Jets, run, the Jets' run defense is actually pretty good. I think we glossed over it because Booker wasn't for sure the starter on the show on Wednesday. But, I mean, the Jets have allowed, what, 100-yard rusher since week four and one rushing touchdown to a back over the past six games. Uh, like, they're good run defense, and they've been a good run defense for a couple years, and they're a bad pass defense. So I do think that there will be some cooking again in this game for Russell Wilson uh, and this offense uh, in general because, I mean, they faced a, a pretty good run of good defenses here, especially from the DK Metcalf stance. I mean, DK Metcalf has run a gauntlet where he's faced Tredavious White, Jalen Ramsey, Patrick Peterson, Darius Slay, and James Bradbury his past five games. This is going to be like a Corona commercial for him. Like, <laughs> put, you know, put him in a kimono, and he's going to be on the beach in this game. Like, and he still produced over that over that stretch of games. Like, this is going to be a, a, a candy, you know, matchup for him. Kid in a toy store. Um, before I let's turn over Daigle, like we got to talk at least about for this slate as it pertains to his pricing, uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, to where he's priced on both sites. Because obviously it's a tough matchup. You've got a team that's allowed 44 total points their past five games. The Saints defense are doing their thing, like where they suck for the first six weeks and then they finish the year uh, like an absolute rampage. But we have a guy this cheap that really has potential to have an un- unknown ceiling because he can run. And he can not only can he run, he can throw a little bit too. Uh, so there's that dual like kind of Konami upside here for a guy that's five one on DK and I think six six on FanDuel. Um, this guy ran for 3,300 yards in college, uh, 90th percentile, you know, athleticism score for a quarterback. Uh, and he was a way better passer than like he ever got credit for at two like pretty high profile, you know, uh, collegiate programs, although one was the Big 12. Uh, you know, but Jalen Hurts offers some upside at his price, and no one's going to really care to play him because of the big bad, you know, wolf that is the Saints defense. And the crummy, you know, outcome that has been Philadelphia Eagles, you know, kind of offensive, you know, players so far this season. But man, at, at that cheap, like I'm definitely going to take some bites of the apple at Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I, I like the New Orleans defense, but I also think Hurts is interesting. And I also am a little bit concerned about mm-hmm. New Orleans just eating the clock up, you know, just making it a, a quick game and not giving them many plays. What was this that I saw? Was it uh, 
Of course, they were on the comeback, and he played, what, drop back 30, uh, 20 times last game. I think he got sacked three times for what it's worth. So definitely some upside on New Orleans side. Uh, did what I mentioned about what you are talking about, that Jets defense. I pulled it up here on the fly, Football Outsiders, DVOA. Uh, they're seventh best against the rush and dead, la- dead last against the pass. No surprise there. Uh, Diggle, any thoughts as far as the quarterbacks you threw out there, as far as Hurts, as far as Rodgers? Wilson, feel free to add on. Yeah, it's a lot like Justin Herbert's week-winning week for DFS that we're two weeks removed from now. Like, he played the Jets. He literally flipped the slate on its head, I guess I should say, uh, <laughs> against the Jets secondary. No and Russ is in the same spot this week. Uh, of course, they could use Chris Carson more, so Pete Carroll is insisting he's going to do. Still, though, Russ can get it done, as we've seen time and time again in his career, on efficiency alone. On Hurts, like Reeve said, it is a rough spot, man. Such a tough spot. But it reminds me a lot of Taysom Hill. He took down the million in his first start because he was stone man. I believe he was 4,500, and no one played him despite the fact he had rushing upside. So, of course, that when it comes to prices this cheap, of course they can get there. So I definitely don't mind dabbling with him in tournaments. Um, and then I, I think we should just mention Patrick Mahomes, not only because he's Patrick Mahomes, not only because he's one of the league's most efficient passers against the Blitz, which is what Flores will probably try to do here, but the Dolphins – Uh, Tua was afforded a season-high 39 pass attempts last week because he's been more effective in no huddle. And so they went heavy no huddle in the second half. And if they do that and speed up the game again against the Chiefs, like that puts Mahomes in an even better spot in a game script. So I think Mahomes has – I mean, it's easy to say Mahomes has a sneaky ceiling, but I think the matchup is a lot better than people think for Mahomes as well. You mentioned Tua. Does anybody think Tua is an interesting bring back if Kansas City uh, jumps out to a lead as we presume – uh, you know, if you're playing Hill, if you're playing Kelsey or something like that and bring him back, you know, with Tua. And I would be so much more excited to play it if it was Fitzpatrick. I really would. Uh, but Tua hasn't been asked to do a lot necessarily, but maybe he'll be asked to do more here against Kansas City. Is he interesting in tournaments, Rich, or am I just kind of like trying to make a narrative that probably doesn't exist? No, I don't think you're uh, offbeat because the one game that they've had to counterpunch with Tua was the Arizona game, and that was by far his best fantasy game. You know, that was the where they were pressed on the scoreboard. So, I mean, I think you uh, are at least in the right, you know, the, the right ballpark there of, uh, you know, at least he's going to be pressed to do to, to – they're going to – he's going to have to produce this game. I assume so. You mentioned Arizona, by the way. We just – are we off on Murray? Is he hurt? Why is he not running the ball anymore? Any thoughts? Anybody? I mean, we, we talked about home? a little – I think my screen went green, whatever. We talked about a little bit in depth um, last week, right? Uh, how more RPO defense playing him differently. Maybe he's hurt as well. Fewer runs. Uh, he's just kind of off my radar for this slate, honestly, which could be a mistake, but I don't think he'll be in my player pool. Yeah, that's kind of sort of where I'm at right now, too. It's always he's one of those scary guys to fade, but uh, you can't play everybody. I suppose you can in theory, but obviously that's not necessarily the way to play. All right. Uh, anything else as far as quarterbacks? Just how we talk about running backs? I think we're going to move on to running backs. We already talked about the two big boys, Henry and uh, Dalvin Cook. I mean, you know, John, this is where the quote-unquote value kind of appears. And it's, again, on a Wednesday night, these things change. Uh, like one of the Washington guys, potentially, McKissick or Peyton Barber or San Francisco. It, I'll give it a slight bump. This game's in Arizona. I like games in the turf and a dome. So that's a little bit more appealing. Obviously, if, uh, you know, Washington's in the comeback, McKissick's more appealing. If they're ahead somehow, I guess Barber. But Barber's just like essentially a young Peterson. You know, when you want to roster him or a young Frank Gore. Another name that's popping up in Optimals on a Wednesday night, which I do not want to play. Who knows if he's going to play anyway? He was banged up last week. Um, 
yeah, this is the place where we're supposed to save money. We talked about Miami Gaskin, still pretty cheap. Super tilting as far as not getting in the end zone. <laughs> oh, I don't you guys over 17 or something in, in the red zone. It was not pretty. Uh, Montgomery still plenty cheap and getting plenty of touches. Not sexy. If, if Swift is back, interesting play in that Green Bay game. RB1, David Montgomery. Yeah. I mean, is, is he is he 9? Is he 10? Where is he at? I don't know. I assume he's kind of – No, he um, was last week. He was the highest scoring running back in fantasy. And CPAT had a touchdown. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that was tilting for me too. But all He right. has sprinkled in a, like a couple additional – cuts into his game the past two weeks having said that it's not hard when it's the Packers and Lions and of course this is the Texans so yeah this this narrative this this narrative with Montgomery is definitely going to get overblown in the offseason someone's going to mention his like broken tackle rate or whatever and we're going to have to shush them mentioning the matchups but for the time being I mean it sets up really really well because no one Patterson is still touching the ball in the backfield all right, give me some of your running backs on your list here, Daigle. Again, I, I don't think it's really sexy, but just kind of sort of guys that are making it work, guys that are getting a decent amount of volume, but the names aren't exactly jumping off the page. If DeAndre Swift goes, he's probably going to be my most rostered player. Uh, remember the last time we saw him, a season high in snaps, 71% of the team's running back carries, and a fifth, and five targets, a 15% target share as the workhorse um, if he's healthy, I'm assuming he won't be limited. I guess we'll have to follow tea leaves there. But either way, I can see me stacking him in what you've been mentioning, Dean, is the highest total of the weekend and also a good leverage or a run back against the Packers. We already mentioned Montgomery. I also like Jonathan Taylor. Again, the Colts' schedule just sets up really well here for this fantasy playoff stretch if you're in season long and still do that kind of thing. Um, but really in the past two games that Taylor has played now, because he had that one sandwich in between when he was on the COVID list, he's out-touched Naheem Hines 42-18. to 18. He did out-snap Naheem Hines 33-23 on Sunday, and it's looked a little more spry. It probably is also because of matchups, but overall I think he's running better as well, so I like him a lot. And then, of course, if you don't play Seattle's passing attack, we already mentioned it, the Jets' front seven is spectacular. It's probably not the best play, but we've seen Chris Carson's touch count and usage overall progressively increased every single week. Uh, I do believe Pete Carroll won't do the most efficient thing, and he'll just jam Chris Carson the line. The good news is Chris Carson is still also getting targets now, and so if he's going to handle the line share of touches, I think he's a fine like touch based DFS option. All right, Rich, what do you have for you? And you mentioned uh, the Taylor situation. I just wish, like you know, why is Wilkins getting fifteen percent of the snaps? Like that doesn't sound like much, but that's just. That feels like it's directly eating away at Taylor, who wasn't even on the field for more than 50% of the snaps last week. He crushed. He was great, but that was because he was super efficient. Uh, Rich, your thoughts as far as the other running backs that are out there we didn't really touch on. Uh, Elliott is pretty cheap. Uh, Bernard is kind of sort of somewhat interesting. He's 5K. He's facing the terrible Dallas team, so, you know, he could be fine. And I, I, I still think Gaskin uh, is priced pretty well. A uh, little, little concerning if, like, they're on the comeback and they're way behind. He's probably not going to be out there. That might yield to Larry's the better catch, uh, you know, catching back. Uh, what do you have for me as far as running backs we've yet to talk about? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, to see the Colts go with that fourth and one call of running Naheem Hines right up the <laughs> middle was pretty spectacular, too. That that felt great. Uh, and not using a guy like Jonathan Taylor like that, or just not even making that play call at all. Because we've seen it with the Lions try to do the same thing with as good as Montgomery was. Um, just trying to ramrod it for, uh, you know, a yard there. But, yeah, Montgomery's another good stop. But what, we didn't even touch on the guy that the, – the team that allowed David Montgomery to be the RB1. That happened last week. He's the highest scoring running back. They're playing a guy that they allowed 240 yards and three touchdowns to the first time they played. 
Oh, uh, we talked about Rodgers in the passing game. I mean, Aaron Jones is the, the Lions allowed a league high 23 touchdowns to running backs. Uh, we've seen it last week. That's why Trubisky, if you stacked him, you didn't get there because he was fine. He played well enough, but all the touchdowns are rushing. The Bears actually had more rushing touchdowns last week than they had all season coming in. They had two rushing touchdowns on the year coming into last week's game. Three. Uh, I mean, it, Aaron Jones, man, is, a, is a, another – he was in this spot in week two and everyone wanted to play the Packers passing game. He was an like obvious leverage guy and just absolutely obliterated the Lions. Uh, so, I mean, he's on, in play again. I'm glad you brought up Elliot. I mean, listen, <laughs> it just makes sense. It, it, is, it does. <laughs> I mean, the guy has 20 touches in, in 10 of his 12 games. This might be the last time they're favored all season. They're facing a defense that's 31st in yards per carry allowed to running backs. They're 27th in rushing points allowed per game. He just had a really positive game against the pretty solid defense, 95 yards, uh, you know, last night. Uh, the touches were there. He got stonewalled at the goal line three times, which wasn't great. But, uh, I mean, it just makes sense. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a paper play. It just makes sense. He's going to get a lot of touches as a favorite against a bad defense. Let me ask you this, Dallas. Their season's <laughs> over. I, is it effectively over with the NFC East? I don't really know, to be honest. It's close to. No, over. they're alive still. Okay, they're still alive. All right, yeah, I, my question alive. is going to be like, you Listen, know, that next thing's week. going to week seventeen, man. <laughs> I thought Washington is like a commanding one and a half game lead or something. Like, the Giants are, I don't know what it is. I don't. I don't have a favorite team, so I don't really follow that kind of stuff very closely until like the last couple weeks of the season. I saw the entire division to disaster. Well, and also you have to think too, like there's no way like Mike McCarthy at this point, like they can just give up. Like he can't. Okay. I, mean, yeah. for... I was just going to pull back in Elliot a little bit because they have a long-term investment in him, but like, you know, 70%. They haven't shown it. Yeah. Uh, He's out there. Dude, they were, they, they were down 34, 34 to 10 and they were just gave him three straight carries in the one yard line. <laughs> They would have given him four if they were allowed. They sure, why not? I can't remember what they put. Uh, it was a long, it was a 14 day stretch, of course, came after the bye. But Zeke was in the winning tournament lineups uh, in that Minnesota game as the run back because everyone was focusing on Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. No one played Zeke except like the tournament winners. So, you know, you're not stacking Brandon Allen, of course, and running it back with Zeke, but I, I guess he can get there. It's just so disgusting because he's been so bad. So bad. In the chat, they're talking about, like, Geo. I mentioned Geo's name. They said he's not good at football. Like, that's okay. Like, if you're a running back and you're getting 75% of the snaps and you're facing the Cowboys, like, and you're cheap. So, okay, whatever. Try your best. <laughs> the concern there is Samaj P. Ryan still getting a handful of touches every week. And then uh, they also got Trevion Williams mixed in for a couple carries last week as well. Uh, but, yeah, that, that would be my only concern. It's clearly yeah, – And the Swift match. one, like, again, Detroit's playing – now, they're playing for nothing. They're not in a division that's absolutely up future. Uh, why would you push, you, you know, your one of your future pieces if he's not right? But I guess if he's cleared, like, I assume he's full go. I don't know. But just I, – I have I have questions on that. It, it feels like a weird – like a weird half measure. It's like get the guy, you know, 30% of snaps or 40% of snaps. Either he's good or he's not. But, you know, stay tuned on that. Hopefully we'll get a reports. Uh did anybody have a thought? I threw them out there just because they're cheap. The Washington backs, I assume Gibson's going to be out with his toe. Uh, McKissick, uh, you know, they're on the chase. He's a guy that can catch, he can catch 10 balls for 12 yards or maybe more than 12 yards. I don't know. Uh, Rich, any interest in McKissick, especially on DK, where you get that full point? Yeah, I think he's a he's in play in DK. Uh, I think you can even run him like, as a cash guy at his price at 4-9 because the 49ers are – Great at stopping the run. They've still been that like throughout the year. Where they, I mean, where it's an interesting match because the way to beat the 49ers is with the vertical pass. Like 
and Washington doesn't do that, but they're really good uh, against the run and they make teams throw on them. Uh, and JD McKissick with, even with the, that game on Thanksgiving, not and that game against the Bengals, he's still from Alex Smith leads the team in target share. 26% of the team targets from Alex Smith, more than Terry McLaurin, more than Logan Thomas. Um, so, I mean, yeah, four nine and a full PPR and against the team that's probably going to shut down, you know, Peyton Barber falling down for a yard at a time. I don't see any any reason to think that like he won't be like a solid floor play that you that can get you by. I like him outright more than Geo. Um, I think when you look at Geo's situation, the, the the one main thing that sticks out Geo is he's not catching passes. Since yeah. Joe Burrow's been out, he's caught two passes in each of the past two games. Um, the offensive line just lost Jonah Williams. It's 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 rough, and I understand that the matchups there. Uh, but the Cowboys have hit us a few times. I mean, they made Dalvin Cook work for his yards a couple weeks ago. Uh, they had a couple games prior to that where they, like, against the Steelers, where, like, everyone was on James Conner that week and he did nothing. Um, Geo is just it's, – it's a tough spot. I mean, I am not going to be coaxed into Geo. I might be wrong. Like, if I was in a season-long league and you could tell me to flex Geo, I think it would be fine. But I just don't see the upside here. Like, he's not going to be a guy that comes out and gets, like, 130, I don't think. Uh, it's just real tough for me to get there for him. I mean – there are better people than me that will probably play him, and I'll probably look bad in hindsight because how bad Dallas has been. Uh, but I think game script's going to work against them too. Uh, it's going to listen. Dalton going back to Cincinnati, revenge. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know. It is what it is. But yeah, <laughs> I, I like McKissick. Basically, what I'm saying is I like McKissick more than Geo. McKissick also significantly outsnapped Peyton Barber, 53-24, despite that being a close game throughout. So I think we can throw away the negative game script role. If Antonio Gibson's out, I think McKissick is just the guy, pretty much. Yeah, and again, I like the fact that games being played in Arizona on the turf, kind of a sneaky uh, positive for uh, for the teams as far as the offense. All right, uh, Dale, you got anything else as far as running backs? You want to open up some receivers for us? No, nope, I can open it up with some receivers. Uh, not too many. Rich is typically pretty good at finding the cheapy guy for us to go after. Um, like he already mentioned, and we talked about in that game, I do love Corey Davis and in particular DJ Shark a whole lot this week. DJ Shark is one of my favorite receivers on the entire slate. Uh, Tyreek Hill, of course, really easy. Uh, two touchdowns negated last week. But prior to that, we talked about it, 30% target share in three of his past games. So just still you can complain. targets. So you can uh, complain about the Tyreek's touchdown. I will allow people to complain about. Because he caught it. There was no penalty. The well, second he didn't one, know he caught it. Yeah, I mean, but you can complain about that, though. In the second one, no one's allowed to complain about because they cheated. <laughs> that, that was pretty, I got, I, I, it, it was a tough sweat. I did not have Tyreek, and I was happy that both those did not count. But they were both uh, pretty uh, phenomenal plays, for sure. Like you said, there was some holding. But that, that backflip, though, that they should, like, offset each other or something. And just But the backflip's not even good. Like, he's not even getting around on the backflip. It's really weird. You're knocking me on that back. Oh, the athleticism on that backflip was phenomenal, though. You're like the Russian judge giving like a 3.6 or something. You didn't like I it? saw Naheem Hines do like a – I don't even know what the proper gymnastics term would do when he scored. <laughs> like Tyreek's got a high bar to get to that Naheem Hines. Like he's not even landing on his feet on the backflip. Mm-hmm. Tyreek does get credit, though, for staring down the defense for five seconds before flipping. Like that's pretty <laughs> awesome. Style points, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, so we're paying. He knows how to build money. momentum. Uh, also, really quick, uh, Brandon Cooks as well. So if people are going to be down on Brandon Cooks, uh, I still think it's a better matchup for Cooks and QT in this spot. QT, of course, led in target share. But Cooks, I imagine, would have still lead in targets, was, was second on the team right behind QT, nine to eight, um, and also left 
got evaluated for concussion. Yeah. So if he plays a full game and everyone's going to be off him in this matchup, uh, I still think he's a good player. Was Chad Hansen a one-week wonder, or is he somebody that's worth looking at, especially in DK where he's 3-9? I mean, anyone in that role. Uh, I don't think he's – He's playing Will Fuller's yeah. position. We talked about it. QT was not going to be playing Will Fuller's position. Now, the target got dispersed in a different fashion, but we were on QT last week because of how much zone the Colts play. I mean, you have that much zone. That's why Waller is probably set up to have another pretty solid game again this week. I mean, the ball's going to go to the slot guy and these underneath routes because they play so much zone. Uh, so, I mean, it was set up for that. But, I mean, anyone playing Will Fuller's role attached to Deshaun Watson is, uh, you know, probably at least worth a look. I mean, it could be just, we could, in hindsight, one it could be a one-week thing. But uh, if he's going to get that kind of, you know, snap usage and and route usage uh, attached to Deshaun Watson in that role. I mean, throw some bullets, man. Uh, Rebar, let me ask you this. This is one of those Wednesday night questions we don't really know just yet, no clarity, but it's possible we have Carolina without DJ Moore. It's possible we have Carolina without uh, Curtis Samuel. We know on the Denver side they lost two of their Kiba players in the secondary, one to injury, one for uh, PEDs, I believe. So we can have Robbie Anderson versus an inferior secondary. Now, Denver collectively generally a defense I don't like to pick on. Fangio seems like a sharp guy, and he subdues you know opposing offenses to some degree. But uh, if that is the scenario, Robbie Anderson feels like a really, really strong play, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I had that kind of situation like earmarked to bring up because we don't know what's going to happen with Curtis Samuel yet as he was part of the contact tracing uh, he'll have to, you know, clear protocols throughout the week with negative tests or whatever. Uh, but we've seen a couple times like that hasn't worked out for people like Adam Thielen or Brandon Ayuk two weeks ago. Uh, you know, he might not get to come off. We know DJ Moore's out. So that leaves them with Brandon Zilstra and Pharaoh uh, Cooper. Uh, so, I mean, it could and Robbie Anderson's already a guy that's been soaking up a ton of targets, you know, throughout the course of the season. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't see any reason why if this plays out, even if DJ Moore's out, I think Robbie Anderson's a good play. And then added bonus if it's just Curtis Samuel, because they're scheming him stuff near the line of scrimmage anyway. It's not one of these situations where you say, well, he's the only show in town. They're just going to throw everything at him. The way that Robbie Anderson's getting his targets this year isn't, it doesn't really allow defenses to really overcompensate for that. And I don't think they will, anyways. Um, even barring that, because even if Christian, we don't see if Christian McCaffrey plays too in that game. Uh, could be a, a whole a whole bunch of moving things to keep your eye on it as we get into like Friday, Saturday, and see what's going on in practices. But I think that that's a, you're absolutely a situation to earmark. Um, just the Seattle guys too. I mean, like I said, I mean they, they I mean Lockett's due for a slump buster too, man. Like he's he's kind of he's since that 200 yard game, he's got 292 total yards the past six games. He's kind of due for a slump buster, too. We know when he does have a slump buster, he usually goes big. And I know people have chased Lockett, uh, and they're tired of hearing that. But, I mean, like I said, I, I think that the, the Seahawks are going to throw a lot more than people, you know, are for the way the projected point total suggests they will. I think they're going to have a hard time running the ball. Is it possible that knee injury for Lockett that was reported, like, so many sure. weeks ago is possibly lingering? Because he's only he's had, like, two monster weeks, and everything else has been kind of sort of whatever. Right? Yeah, that stuff we that stuff we never know, and sometimes you hear about that stuff after the season or how much. Remember Odell last year? Like we didn't find out towards the end of the season. Like, oh yeah, this dude, like his yeah. he's got sports hernia. Like his groin is like detached. It's like he's been playing. Like, like sometimes we don't know uh, the severity of this stuff or the, how it's impacting these players. We don't know. That's always stuff that we never know. So yeah, oh, it absolutely could be. I mean, Lockett last year we didn't know about the flu for that six game stretch. So sure, of course he could still be playing injured. Uh, fire off some other receivers that are on your list there, John. 
Uh, that's pretty much all I have, unless Rich has another one. Uh, I think I can just rattle off a tight end really quick. Oh, boy. You got one? Is it not? Is it not Kelsey? Or is it not Waller? Is it somebody else? It's, well, I will say he doesn't have the ceiling of those guys, but it's week 14. <laughs> I'm sitting on the ground. If you're not playing Zeke Elliott and running it back with Drew Sample, what are we even doing here? <laughs> uh, of course, we're getting the Cowboys linebackers who we should attack every week anyhow. And Sample quietly leads the team in targets, tied with T. Higgins the past two games from Brandon Allen. Uh, T. Higgins, of course, is a great play also. But I think Sample is quietly as cheap of an option as he is. Uh, leverage off of T. Higgins because we probably shouldn't trust anyone from Brandon Allen. So if everyone's going to flock to T. Higgins, which is what it seems like early in the week with his ownership, I'll just play Sample at a position I hate to play every week anyways, and then we can play Zeke and we can just all watch our lineups fail. It's going to be great. A.J. Green, really officially the floor. He's officially 3K on 10K. And I believe, Rich, this is the your classic exercising. I think he was on the field for every snap last week, and he ran like 33 routes, <laughs> one target. What is going on with the Cincinnati side? Yeah, I'm curious to see, too, if people will want to play Tyler Boyd because uh, of that fluky play. Uh, he only caught one of four targets. I mean, he ran a, just a simple, you know, one yard, you know, they ran a slant route, a, a flat, a slant flat combo. And just like no one tackled him. Like, just, it was a, like, it was, it was really, it was the longest uh, receiving play of his career. Um, just a really kind of fluky touchdown that he got. And I'm real curious to see if people want to go back to that. Uh, DK specific, by the way, Boyd is four, nine Higgins, four, eight. He's currently questionable. But like the Dallas side, just that game I'm looking at, it seems like there's some interesting receivers there just because oh, of yeah. Lamb is 4-8 for Lamb. Uh, you know, Gallup is 3-8, perfectly fine for 3-8. Like if that's the thing that makes the rest of your lineup work, I think you can do worse. But uh, just sort of throwing it out there. <laughs> you uh, can always do worse. Speaking of doing worse, Rich, can you see Drew Sample and raise John as far as your favorite tight end or not favorite? No way. Somebody's worth talking about. No, I can't. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I can thwart the Drew Sample drop. Um <laughs> I mean, we didn't talk we didn't talk about Eifert he's kind of in that boat too like with Glennon's come over he's gotten more targets too but like ooh, uh I mean listen I'm never I'm never gonna push back at anyone's punt tight end ever <laughs> uh, do you have a gross one right now or are you still sort of like kind of figuring I mean Cole Comment is still 2-9 on DK uh he's getting a ton of burn yeah. got that little look near the end zone I mean the yardage really hasn't been there for him but 2-9 uh another one of those like yeah you could do worse at the position um, I mean, it, it's, we talked about it though. Like if Kelsey's on a slate, like he's kind of hard, like he's, it's worth, I think paying up more for Kelsey and then punting a wide receiver three. than I think inversely paying for a wide receiver three and punting tight end, uh, because the punt wide receiver. So you just brought up Gallup at three, eight. Yeah. Gallup at three, eight has a way higher ceiling than any of these guys we talked about. The Drew samples, the Cole Komets, and you get Kelsey, like a guy who's performing as a top five wide receiver. At, you know, at his price. So, I mean, I think that there's definitely a, a lot of, uh, you know, good game theory into just saying I'm going to start punting wide receiver three, especially on a site like DK, uh, and start paying for Kelsey, you know, as an inverse fashion uh, of punting tight end. Yeah, I will then, say C.D. Okay. Lamb had uh, – C.D. Lamb has five end zone targets since uh, Andy Dalton came back from injury, uh, leads the team, but he's also dropped like four of them. So, that's – if you can hold <laughs> up to him. That's kind of the sneaky play over Cooper. He fits right in for the Cowboys. I mean, Jordan Reed revenge game is three five. That's a reasonable price. And Schultz is three five. Thomas Logan Thomas is three three. We at least have like some like decent prices for these guys. That some might be terrible, but at least I'm not having to pay like four seven for these names. 
So, and Komet, like, wow. it looks like he's taking over that role over Graham there in Chicago. Uh, old man, uh, you know, Komet's obviously the future there. And then one, I think he was the first round traffic, if I'm not mistaken, there for Chicago. All right. Uh, let's step aside. Let's get out of here. We, we, uh, we said it all for sure. Uh, this was the NFL Pick 6 Show. It's John. It's Rich. If you guys are not aware, of course you're aware, but just tell them anyway. Rich, where can they find you as far as getting your content around, uh, you know, for NFL? It's all over the place, I know, but they don't know. Maybe they don't. Who knows? Huh. Yeah, sharpfootballanalysis.com, you know, weekly worksheet. All my, you know, content is there. Uh, Sharp Angles podcast with Dan Pazuda and Cleve TA. Uh, and then every Wednesday uh, here at 9 p.m. Eastern on Rendezvous, uh, with you guys and the picks like, right. <laughs> uh, John, same deal, same question. I can't top that one either, like sample. But <laughs> at Najee Bagel on Twitter, rotorworld.com, Rotorworld Football Podcast, of course. Apparently, this Sunday morning with Dean to break down DFS lineups. And it's week 14. If you're not following me and our stuff already, you're not going to. So hopefully, you are. <laughs> There you go. For John, for Rich, I was Dean. This was Rotogrinds. Oh, uh, the link's going to be dropped in chat one more time. Hey, what's up, YouTube? We didn't, uh, if you didn't do it before, don't forget to hit the like button on the way out. Subscribe, turn on notifications. We have this, uh, tons of content as far as football and, of course, basketball. Lots of content right around the corner. Uh, Want to get yourself uh, some RG content? $5 off your first month. Uh, the link's going to be dropped in chat for you guys. You get $5 off the core four. It's football, baseball, basketball, and golf. He was Rich. He was John. This was football. I was Dean. We're out of here. Holler.